This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. The miracles of Jesus raising the dead. So in dealing with our subject this afternoon, uh, we need to first of all answer an important question which sits at the very foundation of what the Lord Jesus Christ came to do here upon earth. And this question is crucial. It's fundamental in helping us to understand the powerful message of the gospel. And it's simply this. Why did Jesus perform miracles? And we can probably come up with a number of answers to this question. Perhaps an obvious answer is that he was seeking to bring relief to those who were suffering. You know, there were many in that time that had various afflictions, illnesses and problems in their lives. But perhaps an answer which goes beyond what we see on the surface is that the people, and more specifically the Jews, demanded that Jesus demonstrated the truth of the gospel in signs and in wonders. And in fact, the Apostle Paul, through inspiration, says in the first of Corinthians, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And it's uh, the Lord Jesus Christ himself which reinforces the same idea over in John chapter 4. If you just want to turn this one up with me, uh, we'll just emphasise this point. So John chapter 4. And at verse 46. And so Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him, besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And so having established then why Jesus performed miracles, I'd like us now just to spend a little bit of time, uh, a closer look, um, looking at a a category of miracle to which he performed, that is, resurrection. Now when we consider the life and the work of the Lord Jesus, among the many miracles that he performed, the most profound of all these miracles was when he raised someone from the dead. You know, to us mere mortals we've become accustomed, haven't we, to uh, seeing death on a regular basis, all of us are touched by it uh, at some stage in our lives by those around us and it's a distinct reminder isn't it of our fragile state of our fragile existence and so when we hear about someone being able to bring back loved ones uh, back from the dead we can surely understand the sheer joy from the family and the friends who had their dead raised to life again But I think of all the miracles that Jesus performed, resurrecting the dead is probably one of the hardest for us to comprehend because it's outside of the laws of nature as we know it. It's outside of the realms of the process of life as we know it. Nowadays man persistently uh, tries to think up new ways, new concepts in which to extend life. There appears to be uh, this relentless desire to uh, not only live longer but to do away with the ageing process altogether. And this pursuit of man's has even dipped into uh, trying to resurrect individuals from the dead. But you know, even after all the intelligence, all the technology advancements, even after all those marvellous inventions and the aspirations, 
man still hasn't managed to conquer these things. But here in the Bible, in these gospel chapters, we have real accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ being able to control the very process of life itself. And so we can ask the question then, how many miracles of resurrection did Jesus perform? Well, the, uh, the New Testament records for us three such occasions when Jesus raised an individual from death to life again. We have the raising of the widow's son at Nain, we have the raising of Jairus' daughter, and we have the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And so we're now just going to have a little bit of time uh, looking at these individual accounts here to get a better understanding of the circumstances that took place. So as I said, the first there is the raising of the widow's son at Nain. Now this is recorded for us over in Luke chapter 7. If you just want to turn over there with me. So Luke chapter 7 and there at verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went, that's Jesus, into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, that is the coffin, and they that bore him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came great fear on all, and they glorified God. So in this account here, we've got a group of people and a widow with her dead son going out of the city. And I think we can assume that this is some sort of uh, funeral procession. So these people are going out of the city. Jesus is on his way into the city. And you'll notice there that we aren't given a great amount of detail on this because the significance really lies within the few points that have been made. Firstly, we're told that this woman is a widow and that this, her son, had died and it was her only son. Now, apart from this widow obviously being very sorrowful uh, for the loss of a loved one, this has much wider implications. This incident actually serves to emphasise to us that without the saving work of the Lord Jesus, this woman would be ruined. Her name would be blotted out in Israel and probably her only source of income in order to get by would diminish and this translates to our day doesn't it because without the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives our future would be just as bleak and actually without his own resurrection to life we would be without hope and destitute now something uh, just to bear in mind after we've just read uh, about this account of the widow and her son as we look at the other examples is that the timing was just right Jesus could have arrived at Nain sooner, if you think about it. He could have healed the widow's son, avoiding death altogether. But this act of resurrection wouldn't have taken place. It wouldn't have been demonstrated. Jesus used this opportunity here to increase the faith of this distressed widow and help those who were witnessing to believe. And the next example uh, that we've got is the raising of Jairus' daughter. And we read of this actually in the next chapter of Luke. If you just want to turn over the page to chapter 8. 
And in this chapter, uh, Jesus continues to preach the gospel. He continues also to heal those that needed his help. In verse 26, though, we see that he cures a man who has a severe mental health condition there in the, in the country of the Gadarenes. And then we arrive at uh, verse 41, and it reads, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having issue, sorry, and a woman having issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee, and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody have touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. And then while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, James, John, the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out, he took her by the hand, and called, saying, Maid, arise. And a spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. And so we're introduced there. Uh, to Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue uh, he comes to Jesus pleading for his help um, because his daughter was there at the point of death Jesus agrees to help but is interrupted there by that woman um, who had been suffering for a total of 12 years and Jesus heals this woman but in the process of doing so uh, Jairus's daughter there dies and we can really picture the anguish for, for Jairus there that you know if only Jesus had attended to her sooner she would be alive but we know obviously from reading that that she was brought back to life now apart from resolving both of the problems here from both parties there is also something which isn't immediately apparent from initial reading this woman with the issue of blood wouldn't have been able to set foot in the synagogue because she was unclean and this would have gone on for 12 years that's 12 whole years that this woman wouldn't have been able to enter her place of worship and this surely would have affected her spiritual well-being. Now Jairus was a ruler of that synagogue. And it was only under the law that this lady was unclean. But we know that Jesus came to fulfill that law. He came to do away with it. To bring compassion. And I'm certain that that delay would almost have been to highlight that very point to Jairus himself. So moving on, uh, we come to the last example of Jesus raising someone from the dead and uh, this is the account of Lazarus and this is over in uh, the Gospel of John if you just want to come to John and chapter 11 
And we haven't got time to go this, through this entire chapter. Um, it's, it kind of spans this account, the entire chapter. Uh, but we're just going to pick out certain verses. You know, verse 1 sets the scene for us. It says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, at the town of Mary and sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And then in verse 6, it actually says that Jesus, uh, knowing this, delays. And he says, uh, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then in uh, verse 11, um, Jesus, uh, Lazarus dies. And it says, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And notice there um, that Jesus calls death a sleep. He styles it as a sleep there. Just bear that in mind because we're going to come back to that thought uh, a little later. Now sadly we've got to skip through the rest of the chapter um, to verse 41 there. And uh, Lazarus is actually in the tomb. And um, Jesus here restores Lazarus back to life again. And it says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. For I know that thou heardest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. <coughs> And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary had uh, seen the things which Jesus set, did, uh, believed on him. Now, Jesus delays intentionally um, in order to uh, reveal an important lesson, uh, in order for us to learn an important lesson if you think about it Jesus could have healed Lazarus in similar fashion to the other examples um, he could have healed that particular illness and prevented death just as easy and in fact in Matthew chapter 8 Jesus heals the centurion servant and, and performs that miracle without actually being stood right next to the individual but if he had just healed Lazarus of this illness instead an important a series of important points and lessons wouldn't have been revealed. Sometimes situations have to worsen. They have to get difficult in order for us to learn certain things. Now Jesus waits for the situation to worsen so that Lazarus uh, passes away. Because this will allow him to perform this outstanding miracle. And thereby cause the faith of these loved ones to increase significantly. Now the reason that we all die is because of the nature that we inherited uh, from Adam. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 tells us, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death hath passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then over in the next chapter, uh, Romans chapter 6, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ came to take away sin. 
first of John chapter 3 and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin and so although Jesus was just like us mortal born of a woman he did no sin and so whenever Jesus found himself tempted just like we all are he overcame that temptation he didn't allow the process of sin to take place and therefore uh, that verse there from um, Romans chapter 6 the wages of sin is death wasn't able to be fulfilled because he didn't sin and therefore death wasn't the correct result it was unjustified and so the upshot of all this was that God caused the Lord Jesus Christ to be resurrected after he was put to death because the grave couldn't hold him he had been sinless throughout his entire life now you may have noticed uh, as I said previously uh, that Jesus speaks of death as sleep in the examples that we've been looking at thus signifying that our passing away is but temporary this then surely alludes to an awakening which then brings us suitably on to the resurrection at his return so please just uh, turn with me to the first of Corinthians and chapter 15 We're in this chapter here, uh, by inspiration of God, the Apostle Paul uh, shows us how powerful and how important the subject of resurrection is. It underpins the hope that the gospel brings through, through Christ. And besides this, the Apostle Paul also provides us with an, out, an outline of resurrection and the events that are going to take place uh, when Jesus returns back to the earth. Now we haven't got time to uh, go through each individual verse in this chapter. Um, and look at it in any great detail but because the subject of resurrection is so important we need to just identify some of the significant points so in the first of Corinthians 15 uh, the apostle Paul is putting across an argument because some had doubted the resurrection of Jesus but Paul is clear that the resurrection of Jesus did take place and that a belief in Christ's resurrection is of paramount importance to salvation let's just have a a little look at uh, some of the verses Uh, so starting at verse 1 it says moreover brethren I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you unless ye have believed in vain for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas then of the twelve and after that he was seen above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain until his present but some are fallen asleep and after that he was seen of James then of all the apostles and last of all he was seen of me also as one born out of due time and if we just go down to verse 11 therefore whether it were I or they so we preach and so ye believed now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is uh, be no resurrection of the dead then is Christ not risen and if Christ be not risen then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain then down at verse 16 for if the dead rise not then is not Christ raised and if Christ be not raised your faith is vain you are yet in your sins and then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ 
are perished. And so we see there that to, to disbelieve the resurrection would be foolish because of the eyewitness accounts. And to disbelieve the resurrection of Jesus would make a believer's faith vain and without any hope and any hope of resurrection themselves. And so we must certainly agree that holding such a belief is essential. There's also a crucial point that we can deduce from this chapter because as Christadelphians we believe that the Bible lacks any evidence to support heaven going after death. And the first of Corinthians here, which concerns our salvation and the end of life, mentions nothing about our body floating off to heaven. Verse 23 actually says to us, uh, But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they are Christ at his coming. And so it states to us there that Christ will return back to this earth. And, and so thinking about that logically, why would he return back to this earth? If the afterlife involves being in heaven. And verse 51. Behold I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. And so. Uh, he describes it as a sleeping state. As death, death as a sleeping state. Just as Jesus himself called it. In our examples earlier on. And actually. I don't know if you picked up. But um, Martha actually. You know, speaking of Lazarus. Uh, says. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And so Martha understood she talks about the resurrection as opposed to any indication of drifting off to heaven. And so from that, why would we need to be resurrected if we've already drifted off somewhere else? And another thing just to consider is Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 which says... For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And Second Timothy actually backs this again by saying, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the, the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And so we ask that question again, if we do go off to heaven at death, why would we have to be, make an appearance there before Jesus at the judgment seat here on earth? And so Jesus is to return back to this earth very soon. And if we want to be a part of that kingdom and be with him, just believing isn't enough. There is a requirement to be baptised. Mark 16 verse 16. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned and so once we are baptised we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to do our best to purify our characters so that when Jesus does return back to this earth to establish the kingdom you know, following on from that judgement in his grace and in his mercy he will invite us to be with him and he will grant us eternal life and so in our short time together this afternoon hopefully we've been able to see the how those powerful miracles which Jesus performed affected the individuals that he encountered. And the Bible has clearly shown us, hasn't it? Just how imperative that we have a belief in Jesus Christ's resurrection. I'm just going to leave you with some wonderful words here from the first of Thessalonians in chapter 4. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus 
will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain un- uh, shall be caught up together with them in clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Christadelphians.org.uk